0: Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com.
1: Here's what it says in Psalms 127, verse number two. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. That's just good. And because it's one verse, I'm going to read it again. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Loved ones. The title of this message, write this down, is simply Enjoy Now. (laughs) Enjoy Now. Would you say that with me? Enjoy Now. One more time, a little bit louder. Enjoy Now. This last one, we're going to just really elongate the now, okay? Real loud this time. Ready? Enjoy now. <laughs> and it even echoed. It's fantastic. Let's pray over the word, okay, and get right into it. Holy Spirit, help us to enjoy now. Amen. Because I mean man. Let's enjoy now. I want to give you some follow-up scripture uh, to this to give you a context. And it comes from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter number five. Now, I don't know if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, uh, but it's kind of depressing. If you've ever taken time to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes. It's the same guy who wrote the majority of Proverbs, but he's lived long enough to have hindsight. And boy. Has he ever. Looked back on his life and just thought all of it was for nothing. Got all this money, got all this gold. Still going to die. I mean, it is just absolutely depressing. I went to all the universities. I got 17 Ph.D.s. And guess what? The fool and I are going to wind up in the same place, the grave. So why did I even study? I mean, he is just raw. Okay. so so I want to read you uh, uh, chapter number five, because you'll get enough of his pessimism between verses number eight and verses number 17 to at least let it roll around on your palate before he gives you uh, this moment of clarity about this one thing that he finds that's kind of really good in the midst of all this bad. Okay, so I want you to hear the cynicism in his tone and in his writing. And then I want you to see the clarity of thought that he has about this one thing that happens to be good in the midst of all this bad. Starting at verse number eight, chapter number five. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful. And if justice is being miscarried throughout the land, sounds like a 2018 statement, right? For every official is under orders from higher up and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Even the king milks the land for his own profit. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. This dude is woke. This dude has slept well, and then he woke up with clarity. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There there is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Money is put into risky investments that sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. And, And this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. All their hard work is for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. This dude is, I mean, have you caught on to the whole book's like this? He's like this, though. It's not just like a, a whole, like a passage, the whole book it's just like this. And this is, this, this, these, these next. Three verses, there's there's just a moment of clarity. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. Oh, thank you, sir. (laughs) It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God, And the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. What? I could end right now and we could all go to brunch. Not together, because I don't have enough money for everybody, but we could just all go our separate ways to brunch. <laughs> Can I just dive straight into these points? Point number one, please write this down. I need balance in my life. I wanted these in first person because I don't want you to go out with you points. You know what I mean? Hey, what was, what was, what was the point? Well, you need balance. No, no, not you, me. I need balance. I want you to write down the first person. Tim needs balance in his life. You need balance in your life. Okay, Ecclesiastes five twelve. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. You need to have enough balance in your life that allows you to understand that hard work and moderation are really the formula for a peaceful and productive life. Okay, Uh, pursuing wealth leads to unnecessary anxieties. You should work hard. I'm not saying be lazy, But, but, but you shouldn't be working to the extent that you can't enjoy what you have now worrying about what's next. And I'm here to tell you, and I submit this lovingly that a lot of us were raised in a church culture that never allowed you to enjoy now because they were always promising you what's next. Your breakthrough's on the way. Your next miracle is just two steps away. Your next step is destiny. And so nobody can enjoy where they are right now chasing the next. Big thing God wants to do. Here's the thing that's very, very interesting. Timing is everything. God gives me this message. And um, uh, you all know that I uh, and if you don't know, you're about to know. uh, I go to therapy, group therapy uh, once a month. And y'all should be happy that I go because I need it. Okay, so you should just be happy that your pastor gets counseling so he won't be crazy and embarrass you. Amen. So. Uh, We we were in group therapy and in our didactic this weekend, uh, uh, I'm sorry, this past week was on uh, uh, the cure for entitlement. It was so good. (laughs) And and, and somebody in the group asked like, well, what's the difference between like, first of all, what's the definition of entitlement? So we looked at the definition of entitlement and then we had to have a comparative analysis against it. And so the comparative analysis was desire. Desire is when we have a want. And we we have scripture for that, that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, well, those desires that he gives us are really his desires that he that that we accept as our desires. And then it lines up and he he blesses us. But but entitlement, by definition, is when you think it's owed to you. I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of us look at our lives And stand on the promises of God entitled. Not in a posture of desire that says, God, I accept what's now, but I do desire more. Whether you give it to me or not, though, I'm fine. No, no. Entitlement says, God, you owe me. I've been fasting and living right. So it's breakthrough time. This season of my life, it's over. I'm snatching down the promises from heaven. Give them to me right now. I'm your child. I'm in the kingdom. I'm too
0: blessed to be
1: stressed. (laughs) And we walk around with this entitled, this entitled nature as if he hasn't already done enough. As if Jesus didn't promise that you would go through persecution. So we're rebuking life thinking it's the demons when He never promised you everything would be okay. He promised you He'd be with you. Okay. So you need to have a balance balance between where I am now and what I desire. or aspire to in the future. He, 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 said, he said, people that work hard, they sleep well, whether, whether they had a little or a lot. There's a balance that they have to let them know, you know what, it's, it's just all good right here, right now. Point number two, write this down. I need to accept my life. Ecclesiastes chapter number five, verses 19 and 20. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Let me ask a question. Can you accept your life where it is right now? You may not have everything that you want. You you may not have all of the things sorted out, all the plans that you have made. But can you accept your life right now? If you have a difficult time being able to embrace the life you have right now, consumed with what you want your life to be like next. You won't rest. And if you don't rest, you will be stressed. You'll be so stressed that you won't pass God's test. If you don't pass those tests, you won't be blessed. I could keep going. I have bars for days. I have them. I mean, for eons, I could do this until three o'clock non-stop, built on the rock. So just don't be shocked. TikTok, you don't stop. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I could do this for a long time. I could, I could. I could do it for a long time, okay. If you can't accept where your life is now, if you mean to tell me you can't find one thing that allows you to go, God, I thank you for this. Even in the midst of all of this, I can thank you for this. You'll never rest. This pessimistic writer of Ecclesiastes says, I found one thing that is good. You should enjoy your life and your work. You, you, you should be able to, to look at where you are right now and find something That you can enjoy about it, even if it's not exactly what you wanted, it could be so much worse than what it is. Can you please just enjoy what you have? Right now. And I love this uh, verse 20, it says, God keeps such people, those people that can find that place of enjoyment. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. You, you have, no, listen, have you ever seen just a person that's enjoying life? And, 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 and I've seen it on multiple levels. I've seen people pushing shopping carts with all their possessions in it. Happy. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine, man. How are you? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not doing as fine as you, sir. You're pushing a shopping cart. It's 101 degrees. And you're happy. They've accepted. Doesn't mean that they want to be there. What they're saying is right this minute, I can find something to enjoy about my life. If not, I'm going to just be depressed, crying over stuff I don't have. Here's what it says. God keeps those kind of people so busy enjoying their life. They don't brood over the past. See, I think the writer of Ecclesiastes is actually teaching us a lesson. He's gotten to the end of his life. He's been the most successful person, the most wealthy person, the wisest person outside of Jesus. But at the end, I think his pessimism comes from a place where he was like, I just don't understand why. And I'm brooding over the past and the mistakes or, 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 or the things that I missed and, 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 and now it's all futile and now it's not enjoyable and now it doesn't even matter what I've learned. And Do you know when you go into the grave, they're going to forget you anyway, so why even do anything important? I, I mean, that level of pessimism comes from a person that cannot enjoy where they are right now. I was reflecting as I was driving to church on the fact that Juliet and I have been married now 19 years. And, uh, uh, yeah, you can clap for that. That's fine. I'm happy. Very, very happy. And and, uh, God's blessed us. And so, I mean, he's really blessed our lives. And we get to do a lot of stuff that we didn't get to do when we got married. When I first met Juliet, I didn't have a job or a car. When I proposed to her, the the place that uh, I proposed to her, she drove me there because I didn't have a car. The ring that I put on her finger was a ring that I, by faith, went into Zales with no money and no job and said, I need a ring. And the dude looked at me like I was crazy and then gave it to me. So I knew the Lord wanted me to marry her. You shouldn't try that. Um, The Lord may not do the same thing for you. And then you'll just be embarrassed and be like, it works for my pastor. Just don't. It was a different time. okay? it was 1998 and I don't know what was happening with him and his economy, but he gave me this ring and I did pay him back once I got a job. So I did pay my bill. Um, But when when we got married, um, our date nights were at Wendy's. Two Texas double cheeseburgers. If we had enough money for fries, we would get one box of fries, share it. And then we would get two cups of water. When we got our first apartment, one-bedroom apartment, we had wolf brand chili and rice. And I would take a bunch of saltine crackers and crush them up and throw them in the rice. And the, it was turkey wolf brand chili. And we'd mix it up and we would eat it. Okay. Nineteen years later, okay, we can go to uh, Trulux, It's a great seafood place. And I love sea bass. Sea bass is just my fish. I just love sea bass. Now, let me tell you something about sea bass. Sea bass is expensive, okay? Um, Like, when they pull it out of the ocean, I just think there's a price tag on the scales. Like, it's just, I'm $55. If you pull me out this ocean, I cost $55. Right now, right this minute, right here. I'm not even dead yet. I'm still on the hook. I cost $55. It's just a bougie fish. It's just a, you know, just come out a little bougie, just...
0: If you want me, you'll have to pay for it,
1: right? (laughs) So when we go to true looks, I have the $49, $55 sea bass with the asparagus tips, okay? It's yummy. Here's the thing. 19 years later, we can do sea bass. 19 years ago, we couldn't do sea bass. It was wolf brand chili and rice with saltine crackers. Here's the thing I want to tell you. Here's perspective. My stomach didn't know the difference from then till now. All my belly knows is it's full. So if I would have ate my wolf brand chili and rice thinking I can't stand wolf brand chili and rice in one day, baby, we're going to afford sea bass. I would have never enjoyed now thinking about what I wanted to do next. God wants you to enjoy every season of your life because he's trying to teach you something in every season of your life. You cannot despise where your marriage is now, wishing it was like someone else's 20 years from now. You cannot despise your entry level position now because you have visions of owning a corporation one day. If you don't get now right, you won't have next right. There's a music video uh, that the Lord gave me revelation on years ago, and this happens with me. All of culture just turns into a sermon for me because I see everything through a biblical worldview. Some of you all remember this music video. Others of you all do not. But um, the, the music video, uh, the song was entitled Billie Jean. And um, <laughs> uh, uh, in, in the uh, music video, uh, this man is, is talking about uh, the conflict that he's having with this young woman. Uh, who, who proclaims that um, uh, she has a child that belongs to him. And, and he is trying to, in protest and defense of himself, let the people know, the whole public, the whole world know, she's not my lover. But she is a girl who thinks that I am the one. But that kid... Is not my son. Now, there's a certain part in the in the video <laughs> where he comes walking down the street. And when he's walking down the street, all, all the all the lights, every every step he takes on the curb, they all light up. Y'all remember this? And, and he every every step he takes, the curb lights up because he was supposed to take a step there. And then light was supposed to come out of it to give him revelation for the next step. Then when he made that step, then he would make another step and the light would come up there. Here's what the Holy Spirit told me while I was watching this video. Not lying. This is how he talks to me. He said he said this is a problem with some of uh, 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 believers. He said they don't put their foot on every step. So they wind up playing hopscotch. And if you don't put your foot on every step, you won't get the revelation that you're supposed to have for this season. And if you're eagerly trying to get there, you will skip moments here that you were supposed to have and arrive there incomplete. You will not be equipped with everything you were supposed to have because you were such you were in such a hurry to get there that you wound up there incomplete. Your character wasn't fully developed. Your integrity wasn't fully formed. Your personal discipline and prayer life wasn't where it needed to be. And therefore, you wind up in a place that you wanted, But now you don't want what you got. I don't want you to arrive
0: to your destiny
1: incomplete. You've heard it said that, that, that uh, uh, a gift will make room for you. That's scriptural. Somebody added that character is what will keep you there. If, if you're not complete when you arrive, you're just visiting a room that you won't be able to stay in. That's so good. That's why I paused. Just put my head to the side like Point number three. I need Christ in my life. It's that simple. I need Christ in my life. Would you say that with me? I need Christ in my life. Again, I need Christ in my life. One more time. I need Christ in my life. Now, some of you are saying, I already have Christ in my life, sir. That's why I came. <laughs> I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What are you talking about? It's not evangelistic work. It's not Harvest America. It's in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've already made a relationship. I've already, I've given my life to. But listen, if you don't keep Christ at the forefront, you won't have the right perspective. Now, Let me read you a verse that proves this. Philippians chapter number four, verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. This is Paul writing. And there's a there's a perspective that he has. That I just think is astounding. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or with everything. I have learned the secret of living. Can I stop right there? Has anybody ever told you a secret? Like 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 a juicy secret. Like, the type of secret, they were so hyped to tell you that they just built up anticipation. They were like, come here, 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 come here oh, my goodness, oh, my you are, listen, are, you ain't ready for this. Sit down, sit down, sit down, no, 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 stand up, stand up, stand up, you, you're not ready, Mm-mm, lay down, because this is going to lay you out. Just lay down, because I got something to tell
0: you, it's going to be
1: crazy. When you, listen, when you hear when I'm about to tell, oh, and you're just like, get to the point, what's the secret, and they're just, oh! This this is going to be you're not ready for this. You're not ready. Paul has a secret. Paul says, I I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Please, Paul, tell us. What is your secret? How in the world? You mean to tell me that, that you know how to live on almost nothing? Or everything? You mean to tell me you can deal with not having any food in the refrigerator or if it's overflowed and you got a deep freezer in the garage? You you know how to do. What is your secret to doing this? I can do all things. I can do everything. Everything through Christ. Who gives me strength. How do you enjoy now? With Christ. In the middle of the situation you're going through now will change your perspective on the situation. That is the big secret. It is now out. People that have Christ at the center of their life Do not look at their circumstances and situations the same way people, the same way that people do, that don't have him at the center of their perspective. Doesn't mean that they don't have moments where they vent. I'm not talking about you shouldn't be venting about a season in your life that's hard. What I'm saying is the point that it becomes overly pessimistic to the point that you can't find anything to give God praise for and enjoy That's the point where Christ has been lost in the narrative of the season that you're in right now. Here's what here's what Paul says. Uh, I I can I can do it all. You got to remember this. This verse uh, is a verse that people have used out of context for years. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Right. And then they get mad because they tried to use it like an incantation. As opposed to a scripture that roots them in the circumstances they're in right now. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, uh, um, I've actually seen boxers go into the ring. With Philippians 413 on their waistband. And get knocked out. When I tell you, listen, put to sleep. And I'm, I'm not talking about like the, the like the like, oh, we got caught in the chin and he's trying to get back up. I'm talking about the one where your leg winds up like this. I mean, you are laid out and your leg is like,
0: I don't know.
1: The referee has come over giving you a 10 count waves salt across your nose. They had to bring the stretcher. And I get so embarrassed because the overhead camera is peering down and zooming in on Philippians 4.13. I'm like, no, 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 turn it off. It's not what it meant. He didn't mean it. He didn't. Christ. Christ didn't say you could beat up that guy. You don't have as good as a trainer as this other guy. The work ethic or the hand-eye coordination to be in the ring. So Jesus doesn't care if you get knocked out? If you have it out of context, you'll wind up disappointed with Jesus. You'll take off your shorts and say, God, I thought you were with me. He's like, I I was, but I didn't tell you you could beat up people that you can't beat up. I was in Bible study years ago uh, on a Wednesday night. I was doing a Bible study and I read this scripture and, and, and I, I come from a charismatic Pentecostal. Everybody goes, Ow! and just start doing they start doing laps around the church and the whole thing. Right. That's the kind of church I came from. So so there, you know, and so it was that kind of night. And I said, do you believe that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you? I set them up. You know, I love setting people up. <laughs> yes. You don't believe you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes, we can. I said, you honestly, you believe the scripture that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you? Yes! Hallelujah, Lord! I said, well, then fly home. <laughs> I said, don't, don't, you, don't get your keys out. Soon as soon as service is over, you get your dun da dun, dun You fly home. I said, you can't do everything through Christ. And then, of course, <gasps> Scripture has no power if it's out of context. Keep the text in context. Paul gives us the secret before he gives us the statement. Don't try to use the statement as a spell to get you out of a season that's refining you for where he wants to put you. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Get me out of this, Jesus. Get me out. I can do all things through Christ that
0: strengthens me.
1: Like, like, in context, scripture has incredible power. Out of context, It is incredibly destructive. Let me tell you about a person who had it in context. My cousin aunt. Let me explain a cousin aunt. A cousin aunt is a person who's way too older than you to just be a cousin. So you gift them the honorary title of aunt or uncle just because it would be weird if you called them by their first name. And they're 20 years older than you. Just don't walk up to people 20 years older than
0: you. Hey, Maureen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so my cousin aunt Cookie, my cousin aunt Cookie, um, um, this beautiful, gentle soul, had a very cartoony, car- cartoonish voice. She, hi, she talked like this all the time, had, kind of like I had an airy, sing-songy tone to her, um, to her voice. And so uh, she wound up getting breast cancer um, several years back, and she had to have a double mastectomy, okay? So she has this double mastectomy. And uh, after she has the mastectomy, uh, we, we rejoice, we, we praise God, and, okay, the cancer's gone. Uh, but then the cancer came back. And when the cancer came back, it came back like twice as uh, uh, harsh and vigorous uh, as her first time. So they wanted to do another surgery on her and do more uh, rounds of chemotherapy. And so she asked them, she said, Are you gonna get it all this time? Are you gonna be able to get it all? And it's hard to, like when she got mad, we couldn't take her seriously because her voice was just too cartoonish. So when she got mad, you'd just be like, you know, Are you gonna be able to get it all? And they were like, "Well, no, we, you know we won't be able to get it all, but this will at least prolong your life a little bit more." And then she was like, "Well, I don't want it then. I'm not, nope, you're not cutting me again. If you're not going to get it all, just forget it. So the family goes crazy. <laughs> I know. You got to have the surgery because this is a wife and this is a daughter and this is a cousin aunt. And so selfishly, you're like, no, we're going to pray and believe God for a breakthrough and miraculous healing. And come on, stand on your faith. And she's like, I'm standing on faith, but I don't understand what the big deal is. She said, I'm in a win-win situation. I don't even see why you guys are crying. Either God's going to heal me and I'm going to be fine or I'm going to die and be with him. What's the big deal? I'm in a win-win situation. So we were like, you know what? Um, yeah, we, I, you know what? My faith wasn't actually where yours was at the time that we protested you. Completely calibrated because she had Christ at the center of her life's narrative. So it wasn't this woe is me. Why is this happening to me? She was like, I have them right here. This is bad. I'm tired of getting cut on. But but I know something about scripture and I have a balance. I'm not entitled to be healthy. What I was entitled to was a life of sin and death. And Christ went to the cross and died for me to have eternal life. So if he heals my body, fine. But if he doesn't, fine. She died. The cancer consumed her body and she died. Gone to be in the presence of the Lord. Us here weeping. Her husband and her mother, her father asked me to eulogize Her funeral. And so I flew to Linwood, California. We're having this great worship service. I'm about to eulogize my cousin on. We're singing this song in worship. The casket is still open. Her husband is about nine feet away, sitting in a chair on the front row. This worship song, God's presence just filled the room. In the middle of this worship song, filling the room and his presence being so evident,
0: her husband Sherwin stands up and walks over to this casket that is holding the lifeless body of his beloved wife he had been married to for almost 30 years. And he looks down at the casket and then he looks up to heaven and he lifts his hands and starts worshiping God to this day it is one of the most seared images in my mind because this man on the day that he would bury his wife, found something that he could enjoy. And it was God's presence in the midst of a painful situation. Here's what I'm telling you. You have to find the spot that you can enjoy now and not live your life restless about what you can't control next in joy now would you bow your heads and close your eyes Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.